Hi, everyone. This is Father Jim Chern, and you're listening to the Pope Benedict XVI School of Prayer podcast, where each week we'll be listening to catechesis offered by the late Holy Father back starting in 2011 in his Wednesday audiences with the faithful in which he was laying out the foundational principles of the life of prayer. You can find the entire 47 addresses in a single volume published by Ignatius Press entitled A School of Prayer, The Saints Show Us How to Pray, or you can follow along with the link that's provided in the show notes and on our Facebook group, which goes to the Vatican website, which posts all of the official texts of the Holy Father. So thank you so much for your interest in joining us as we lean into the clarity and the beauty of Pope Benedict's teaching. Uh, Today's episode uh, is our fourth catechesis, which is entitled The Nocturnal Struggle and the Encounter with God, which is a reflection on Genesis chapter 32, verses 23 to 33. And this was first offered on Wednesday, May 25th, 2011. Pope Benedict writes, Dear brothers and sisters, today I would like to reflect with you on a text from the book of Genesis, which recounts a rather curious incident in the narrative of the patriarch Jacob. It is a passage that is not easy to interpret, but it is important for our life of faith and prayer. We're talking about the story of his struggle with God at the ford of the the Jabbok, a portion of which we just heard. As you will recall, Jacob had deprived his twin brother Esau of his birthright in exchange for a dish of lentils, and then by trickery managed to receive the blessing from his father Isaac, now very elderly, taking advantage of the latter's blindness. Having fled from Esau's wrath, he took refuge with one of his relatives, Laban. He married, acquired some wealth, and was returning to his homeland ready to face his brother, having first put into place some prudent provisions. However, when everything was ready for this meeting, after having had those who were with him cross the ford of the stream that marked the boundary of Esau's territory, Jacob, who had remained behind alone, was suddenly set upon by an unknown man with whom he wrestled the whole night. This hand-to-hand combat, which we find described in chapter 32 of the book of Genesis, became for him a singular experience of God. Night is the favorable time for acting secretly, the best time, therefore, for Jacob to enter his brother's territory unseen, perhaps thinking to take Esau by surprise. It is he, however, who is surprised by an unforeseen attack, one for which he is unprepared. Having used his cleverness to try to escape a dangerous situation, he thought he had managed to have everything under control. Instead, he now finds himself forced to enter a mysterious struggle that catches him alone and gives him no opportunity to organize a proper defense. Unarmed in the night, the patriarch Jacob wrestles with someone. The text does not specify the identity of the aggressor, It uses a Hebrew word that indicates a man in a generic sense, one, someone. It is therefore a vague, indeterminate definition that purposely keeps the assailant shrouded in mystery. It is dark. Jacob does not manage to see his opponent clearly. 
And even for the reader, for us, he remains anonymous. Someone is opposing the patriarch. And this is the only certain data supplied by the narrator. Only at the end, when the wrestling is over and that someone has disappeared, only then will Jacob name him and be able to say that he has wrestled with God. The episode, therefore, takes place in darkness, and it is difficult to ascertain not only the identity of Jacob's assailant, but also how the struggle is going. On reading the passage, it is rather difficult to determine which of the two contenders is gaining the upper hand. The verbs used often lack a specific subject, and the actions take place almost in a contradictory manner so that when it looks as though one of the two is winning, the next action immediately denies that and shows the other to be the victor. At the beginning, in fact, Jacob seems to be the stronger, and of his opponent, the text says, he did not prevail over him. Yet he strikes Jacob's hip at its socket, dislocating it. Thus one thinks that Jacob would have to give in. But instead... It is his opponent who asks him to release him. And the patriarch refuses, setting one condition. I will not let you go unless you bless me. The one who tricked his brother robbed him of the blessing of the firstborn, now claims it from the stranger, thus perhaps beginning to perceive some kind of divine meaning, but without yet being able to recognize it for certain. His rival, who seems to be held back and therefore defeated by Jacob, rather than giving in to the patriarch's request, asks him his name. What is your name? And the patriarch replies, Jacob. Here the struggle takes an important turn. In fact, knowing someone's name implies a kind of power over that person because in the biblical mentality, The name contains the most profound reality of the individual. It reveals the person's secret and destiny. Knowing someone's name, therefore, means knowing the truth about the other person, and this allows one to dominate him. When, therefore, in answer to the unknown person's request, Jacob discloses his own name, he's placing himself in the hands of his opponent. It is a form of surrender a total handing over of self to the other. However, in this act of surrender, paradoxically, Jacob too emerges victorious because he receives a new name with the recognition of his victory by his adversary who says to him, you shall no longer be spoken of as Jacob, but as Israel, because you have contended with divine and human beings and have prevailed. Jacob was a name that recalled the patriarch's problematic beginnings in Hebrew. In fact, it recalls the term heel and takes the reader back to the time of Jacob's birth, when as he left his mother's womb, he held on to the heel of his twin brother, almost prefiguring the unfair advantage he would take over his brother in adulthood. However, the name Jacob also recalls the verb to deceive, to supplant. Well, now in the struggle, the patriarch, in this act of surrender and submission, reveals his true identity as a deceiver, the one who supplants, 
however the other, who is God, transforms this negative reality into something positive. Jacob, the deceiver, becomes Israel. He is given a new name as a sign of a new identity. Here, too, the account maintains its deliberate duplicity because the more problem, probable meaning of the name Israel is God is strong, God is victorious. Therefore, Jacob has prevailed, he has won, his adversary himself says so, but his new identity, which he has received from the adversary himself, affirms and bears witness to God's victory. And when Jacob, in turn, asks his opponent his name, the latter refuses to say it, but he reveals himself in an unequivocal gesture, giving him the blessing. The blessing that the patriarch had requested at the beginning of the struggle was now granted him. However, it is not a blessing obtained through a deceit, but one given freely by God, which Jacob can receive because he is now alone, without protection, without cunning or tricks. He gives himself over unarmed, agrees to surrender, and confesses the truth about himself. Therefore, at the end of the struggle, having received the blessing, the patriarch can finally recognize the other, the God of blessings. Truly, he says, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And now he can cross the ford, the bearer of a new name, but conquered by God, and marked forever, limping because of the injury he has received. Biblical exegetes give many interpretations to this passage. The scholars in particular recognize in it literary connotations and components of various genres, as well as references to some popular accounts. But when these elements are taken up by the authors of the sacred texts and incorporated into the biblical narrative, they change their meaning and the text opens up to broader dimensions. For the believer, the episode of the struggle at the Jabbok thus becomes a paradigm in which the people of Israel speak of their own origins and outline the features of a particular relationship between God and humanity. Therefore, as is also affirmed in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, from this account, the spiritual tradition of the Church has retained the symbol of prayer as a battle of faith and as the triumph of perseverance. The Bible text speaks to us about a long night of seeking God of the struggle to learn his name and to see his face. It is a night of prayer that with tenacity and perseverance asks God for a blessing and a new name, a new reality that is the fruit of conversion and forgiveness. For the believer, Jacob's night at the fort of the Jabbok thus becomes a reference point for understanding the relationship with God defines in prayer its greatest expression. Prayer requires trust, nearness, almost a hand-to-hand -hand contact that is symbolic, not of a God who is an enemy, an adversary, but of a Lord of blessing who always remains mysterious, who seems beyond reach. Therefore, the author of the sacred text uses the symbol of the struggle, which implies the strength of spirit, perseverance, tenacity of obtaining what is desired. And if the object of one's desire is relationship with God, his blessing and love, then the struggle cannot fail but ends in that self-giving to God, 
in recognition of one's own weakness, which is overcome only by giving oneself over into God's merciful hands. Dear brothers and sisters, our entire lives are like this long night of struggle and prayer spent in desiring and asking for God's blessing, which cannot be grabbed or won through our own strength, but must be received with humility from him as a gratuitous gift that ultimately allows us to recognize the Lord's face. And when this happens, our entire reality changes. We receive a new name and God's blessing. And what is more, Jacob, who receives a new name and becomes Israel, also gives a new name to the place where he wrestled with God, where he prayed. He remains it, he renames it Penwell, which means the face of God. With this name, he recognizes that this place is filled with the Lord's presence, making that land sacred and thus leaving a memorial of that mysterious encounter with God. Whoever allows himself to be blessed by God, who abandons himself to God, who permits himself to be transformed by God, renders a blessing to the world. May the Lord help us to fight the good fight of the faith and to ask in prayer for his blessing, that he may renew us in the expectation of beholding his face.